we're in Ephesians, and I'm grateful to be there. It's such an amazing letter. And, you know, I hope, I hope that as we sing and as we do the things we do, you pick up on the wonder of Christ's love for us. It just, it, it saturates our whole world like light from the sun. Uh, the reality, right, that Jesus, he, he loves us. He, we, we battle this all the time, I feel like, and, and one of the things is constant is to realize that we walk in the light of Christ's love for us, not, not ourselves, what we can accomplish, what we can do, who we need to be, and, and I'm constantly battling that, you know, and, and so it's good. I come back in Ephesians, the first three chapters is all about this, that how God comes and saves us. I'm not even born, of course, when Jesus came, but, but even, even when I was born, as a rebel against God. I'm my own way, and that's by nature what I am. I want to work on me and, and, and be at the center. And, and then it comes along that I realize that while I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. His blood for me, it is finished, was the cry. And, and it worked. And, and oh my, God did it. This is what Christianity is, you know. Laying yourself down. And saying, my way in climbing isn't getting there. I need a savior. That's what I'm calling this. You know, really, that's what Christian, laying you down, is us saying, I'm done. And trusting that Jesus has done it. Our inability, right? So we've done that, but many of us now are like, okay, well, I've done that. I get it. That's what Christianity is. But kind of now what? How does this life play out? What do we do and, and how do we act and, and what does it look like? And so very thankful how Ephesians is laid out for us that way because Paul has three chapters of nothing to do, just talking about the love of God for you, culminating in the height, the depth, the width, to know the love of Christ is the most amazing thing you can taste. And then if you've tasted that, it begins to alter how we see life. So there were five walks and we walked through all of them started with walk in unity, which means, hey, receiving this one way, the only hope we have, it means there's one hope and one Savior and one Lord and one Spirit and one God and Father of all. There's only one way. We're united in that. That's the response we have. Don't walk like the world was the second one. Remember, we don't need to tear each other down because we each have the Holy Spirit. We get to build each other up. Walk in love. Walk in light. Where light was exposure, exposing sin because it doesn't, we don't have to hide it anymore. Well, I don't have to hide. I'm forgiven. I'm such a fallen person and yet I walk pure in the wonder that Jesus Christ forgives me. And this last walk we looked at last week, walk carefully. Carefully meant wisely. Wisely meant knowing the will of God for you and me. Here's the will of God. That he would love you in Christ Jesus. Amazing. So I walk in that, and he connected that, if you remember, to being filled with the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit comes along and continues to teach us and comfort us and tell us about the wonder of Christ's love for us. So be filled with the Spirit was the same thing to walk wisely. It's kind of the same thing. It's like receiving the constant comfort and wonder that our Savior is for us. So... So we started that, and these four phrases we had to say what this filling with the Spirit looked like, 
And it looked like when you're filled with the Spirit, like your apple pieness inside is your filling. It looks like singing, right? Speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. What we just did a little while ago. We hear those amazing words of the wonder of Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit at work to remind us it's all Jesus and it's amazing. And, and then making those songs just to the Lord in your own heart, Paul says, making melody and giving thanks. And then there was this last one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So those four things. And we ended there last week, and I'm going to pick up today again because I feel that that last one is a little interesting for us to dwell on. What do I mean? Well, I mean, the first three kind of all go together. But when I say this, when I say submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, how does that go along with making melody in your heart and speaking to one another in songs and giving thanks always and then submitting to one another? That doesn't seem to fit. And in fact, it doesn't fit so much that people just generally skip right over it and go into wives submit to your husbands. So I want to back up today. I want to take a moment with you. I want to think through this wonder of what it means because this is, to me, very important and part of what it means to lay yourself down is that you and I would be people in this body who are submitting to one another. Because that's what it says, right? That's what we're after. If it says this walking wisely is so tied to being filled with the Spirit, and what filled with the Spirit is is that you and I think, oh, it's amazing that we get to sing songs to the Lord and make melody in my heart and think about how I'm thankful in everything because God's got me and he loves me. How is it also that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? That's an odd phrase. So I want you to think about it with me. Think about this with me for a few minutes. It's worth your time. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I would just say that first, it's, it's, it's an interesting translation that we're going through because really it's be submitted. It's, it's something that's, that's happening. It's not go do it. This is a description, not a command. The description of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit at work in your life, it starts doing this. You start seeing this. This, this starts coming out of you. So you... Trusting Jesus, submitting to another person who's a believer, because that's what this is, right? The one another means another believer. It doesn't mean someone outside. Because you revere Jesus. So what is submitting? What is that? What, what, what's happening again? So submitting there literally means arranging yourself under someone. It means that you are trying to range yourself under someone else at the same time because they're a believer under the same sort of idea of the Holy Spirit is arranging themselves under who? You. This new dynamic comes in our relationships as Christians. That's what he's talking about, right? It's not, it's not them claiming it or pushing it or lording over another saying, you need to submit to me. This is me. Holy Spirit working on us. So that I choose to arrange myself under someone else. Particularly here, another believer. That's the mark of the Spirit in you. The filling. I, I, I still don't get it, Dax. Kind of what, why? But here's the thing. Come back with me all the way to the beginning for a moment to see our main problem, you and I. You've got a problem. 
So it's a problem from the very beginning that the Bible records, our scriptures record, about what was going on. And, and you remember there in the garden with Adam and Eve, and they get tempted, and the, the serpent comes and says, Hey, hey, you know that tree that God made, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You know, he's not really being up front with you about what's going on there. Remember that whole scene? And the serpent says, You know what? If you eat the fruit of that tree, oh, that's a good fruit. You'll be like God. He doesn't want you to be like him, so he doesn't want you to eat it. Right? You'll know this. You know the story, right? It's locating our biggest, our deepest problem. We want to be in charge. I want to have this innate value. I want to be in the know. I want to be at the center. I want to be the key. I want to be the hero. That doesn't come out that way like, you know, I want to be the superhero. No. It comes out in, I want to be able to judge for myself what's right and wrong. I want to be the judger. I want to know how I'm doing and how others are doing, and I want to make the effort to get where I'm supposed to be. I want to have skin in the game. I want to be important, at least as important as everyone else. I don't want to be nobody. Comes out in things like, why am I suffering? You know, why, I, why is God doing what he's doing with me? Why won't he just tell me? Why do other people seem to do better? That's not fair. By my standard of what God has put down, even in his Bible, I use the law to kind of as my standard, but then I'm the judger of what God is doing with the law. It comes out in, you know what? I, I can do it better. I can accomplish better. If only I had more responsibility, I would make sure that things would go better than they are. These, this stuff's mediocre. I'd be excellent. It creeps into our ideas of what we think ambition is, especially in our society. Ambition, seizing the moment, going for the prize, winning, succeeding at a personal goal, succeeding at a higher standard, getting ahead. We start talking of these things, and it becomes uncomfortable because, because all of us have this drive to control to judge to wanting what we think is important to become reality and, and when it goes too far we, we see the problem in egotism or, or nepotism or, or, or narcissism all the isms but, but you know properly coached especially in religious language we, we approve of this stuff we attach them to God, like, you know, God wants the church to grow, and so I've got ideas about how that's going to happen. Let's do it. I have those thoughts. God wants there to be more X, Y, or Z. Why aren't we accomplishing this? I could do it better. Justice and fairness really do start to come in, you know. There's no reason why you should be over me. I'm an independent person. So I'm to my shame. I've done a lot of this in my life. Thinking along lines, you know, well, the Holy Spirit was leading me to improve this area of the church, and so I'm going to intervene in this life. I'm going to use my giftedness to push harder. I'm going to accomplish more. I'm going to do more. I'm just using all I have for Jesus, and there's some goodness to that. I do want everything I have to be the Lord's. But what did I sneak in there? I want it to be me. I want me to be the one. 
We run into this buzzsaw. What buzzsaw? This buzzsaw. The thing that says, what is the most amazing, most wonderful thing you could ever have? I'll tell you, it's to be filled with the Spirit. Man, if you could be filled with the Spirit, isn't that what you want? I mean, to be saved. What, it's a real thing. It's not some strange thing. It is the most amazing thing that the Spirit of God given to you in your heart. And you could have this. In fact, in fact, that sort of thing, the only thing that would make me bear fruit, real fruit before God. So when you get to heaven, he's like, oh, look at this amazing fruit in your life. It's not going to be your fruit. It's going to be whose fruit? The God's fruit in the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's Galatians 5, right? 22, I'll put it on the board. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. I'm so tempted to say, well, the fruit of Dax is. But it's not that, is it? There's any love. There's any joy. There's any peace. There's any patience or kindness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit of the Spirit in us to say, what I really need is the Spirit. Because the Spirit is bearing these things. And so what, what does it look like to be filled? To have that filling, that apple pinus, right? Well, it looks like submitting to other people in the body. Arranging myself under them. That's this hupertasso word, the submission word, the abiding under them. And I'm not trying to advance, to push through, to get you to my side, to get you on my team, to make you see my shining light. I'm trying just to be under you. Because I know something. What do I know? The Holy Spirit, you who trust in Jesus and you're here worshiping Jesus with me, you, you have the Holy Spirit. He's at work in you. He's not a weakling. He's the Spirit of God. He's really powerful. He's not some still, small voice that wishes you would listen to him. He's powerfully sealed every single person who trusts in Jesus. He blows the person who 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 he has. He blows you where you wish, right? We looked at that last week in John 3. Every person who has the Spirit is blown where the Spirit wants and used as the Spirit's. What do I trust? Not just that He's saved you and will keep you for heaven. I trust that. I also trust He's using you exactly like He wants to. He's able. Holy Spirit. I want you to succeed, not me. And, and, and here's the thing. I know something else. Not just that the Spirit's in you, but the Spirit's in me. So I'm just saying, well, the Spirit's in me too, so I want to exercise that right over you. And No, 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 wait. This is my biggest problem. My biggest problem is I, I have trouble laying me down. So I'm very tempted to use the Holy Spirit as an excuse to manipulate and control your life. I've got the Holy Spirit, and I just want to tell you, you need to do this. Well, maybe that is true, but also the difficulty is I got threads of control going in that. How do we get out of those threads of control? By really saying, instead, I want, I want to be for you. I want you to succeed. How do I help you? Not random other people that I'm arranging myself under. Not ran- other Christians. It's important. So, so, for example, I'll give you an example. There's a pastor at the church I was at before. I don't agree with them on some very important doctrinal issues, you know. But I know this with my whole heart. He is Christ's. So what? He's got the Holy Spirit. 
So what? I want him to succeed. Even though I don't agree with him on certain things, I'm not looking to impose my will on him. The Holy Spirit has him. I mean, I'll share, sure. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm not going to speak what I think the truth is. But you know what? My motivation to it is not to say, Trent, I need to get you to believe like I believe. No, it's, it's I'm for you because I know the Spirit has you and he's using you. That's arranging myself under him. That's submitting to him. It's not agreeing with his position. It's being for him. It's not me needing to win. It's not me needing to be the best and the brightest. It's not treating him with disgust and anger, but it's seeing the Holy Spirit is in him and honoring him. So, so we do this all day. It's a really important part of what it means to be a believer. It's not that we're making factions and trying to win our positions, but we come and we say, I'm for you. I want to lay myself down. And, and part of that we're doing because I see, and I hope you see too, we are so flawed. You are so not who you should be. Right back at you, Swanson. Yes. Yep, I, me too. Right? We do this all day. We see each other's flaws and problems. And instead of being fixers that have to make sure everyone gets everything right, and by that I mean believes what I believe, because obviously I am the fount of truth. Not. <laughs> Amen, I'm going to throw a tomato at you. The Bible is. Jesus is. The Word is. The Spirit is. Preacher's not. Got to be a Berean. And if I'm imposing that on you, then I'm not laying down for you, right? So, no, no, no. We, we see that we're not who we should be. And instead of saying, what I really got to do is make you who you should be, because I can't, I, what I'm supposed to do is, is come under. What you're doing is coming under. Being for each other. I, I get to look out and see sin and failure and wrongness and still love because I know that you're loved by Jesus. He has paid for you, including your wrongness, and he has paid for me, including mine. So this is an incredible new way to live. This describes us. It doesn't mandate to us. Unless you see that it doesn't make a new way that we can get skin in the game. How well are you submitting? No, it's this amazing thing. It filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and, 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 and helps you lay you down. We're so caught up in getting everything right to present ourselves perfect to God, and we miss that presenting ourselves perfect to God is trusting that he has us and uses us. Okay, look more closely at this just for a minute. Uh, this. This just little phrase. So we don't get it wrong. Because I said submitting, that's great, to one another. That's people in the church. Out of reverence for Christ. There's a there's piece of that, right? I don't submit, come under you, aim for your success, because your ideas are better than mine. I don't submit because you are bigger or stronger or faster, more powerful. I don't submit because you have more cool people on your side of an issue than I do. I don't submit because you're anything... But if I'm going to submit, arrange myself unto you, it's because of what? Reverence to Jesus. Jesus. That's the Jesus we've spent three chapters on in the beginning of Ephesians, who's done everything for you and me. He's the shining son of heaven. He emptied himself and became nothing for the love of me and of you and to rescue you and me and to redeem you and me. And he's done it and it's finished and it worked. 
And, and so I, I, I see this Jesus, and, and so this reverence have, has this kind of two pieces to it that I see. I mean, one is he did it all for me. I don't have to impose. He really has everything handled. And when I come and impose on you my way, my method, my emphasis, I'm not trusting that you've been loved by Jesus and it's finished for you too. And the other thing is reverence for him means actually you're not even in the, in the consideration of it. It's not out of reverence for you. I don't submit because I revere you. Mostly I think you're a fallen critter. Twisted up with your own dress. So am I. Everything that you and I touch is twisted just a little bit, you know. Nothing that you and I do are totally pure, especially when I think it's pure. So it's almost like we think, you know, if I can have the best motive, then people should revere me. No, we lift each other up because you honor Jesus, not the person you're lifting. So we are weak. He is strong. We have these treasures in earthen vessels that what the glory might be to him, not to us. You remember John the Baptist, one of my favorite little phrases. It's fantastic when he's asked about why people are leaving him to go follow Jesus. He famously says in John 3, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. I love that. He's the greatest of the law, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he says, let us decrease and him increase. How does that happen that, that, that he increases? Well, it, 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 it does mean you go down. Those go together. And then that's the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's a mark of filling. And so that's why I would say it's okay to look at your life. It is okay. You look and you say, hey, am I singing? Sing, yeah, remember? Mark of the Spirit. Singing, speaking to one another, songs and psalms, spiritual songs. Singing in your own heart, making melody to God. Mark of the Spirit, that you're giving thanks in all things. This is incredibly supernatural because all things, I'm by nature a complainer. I'll say, like, really happy about the new car. Really not happy about the heart attack. So in all things, that's supernatural if you can. And then submitting. That's not is your sin less and your goodness more. That, Lord, do you have more responsibility over people? No, the Spirit is drawing you down. This is maybe the opposite the lines, along the lines of, do you see Jesus more and more? This Christianity thing, you know, it's very different than the world paints it, very different than some people understand it to be, because everything is this, receiving the gift of Jesus. Have you received the gift of Jesus? And you receive that gift and it leads you to gift yourself because it's a gift that you've had and, 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 and not to increase yourself, but to decrease yourself, not to get, but to give. Not a mandate. A reality. A culture. The greatest gift that we give is testifies, testifying that Jesus is true because he is the greatest gift. And if you would get him, if you would have your eyes open to see the wonder that he adores you right as you are, not as you ought to be, not as you might be later, but he adores you now. And you would open your heart to that and see that your sin has been paid for. Marvelous. Okay, you know, that's probably the longest I've ever spoken on a single verse. 
Because what I like to do is to give you a whole big passage and flow it through so you see the context because the context of these things is so important and you we go wrong all the time and Christian preaching goes wrong because it doesn't give you context. So we've already had some context, which you now you've seen, filled with the Spirit. Here it is, submitting to one another. And then he's going to go on and give three examples. And we're going to just touch the one today before we end and we'll pick it up next week. But the example that he gives first is in marriage. In marriage. So look at that with me, because he says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So this is an example of what he talks about in being filled with the Spirit. Not a new command to wives. Why do I say that? Because if you actually look at the actual text the, the, in verse 22, the word submit isn't there. In the Greek, I mean, it's here in our English version. It says this, wives to the Lord. Uh, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. That, that's, that's all it says. It's like he left out, so in order they fill in the word with submit because they're pulling it from what it means to be filled with the Spirit, which is being submitted to one another. It says, well, I, I want to I see an example of that in society. So he says, here, let me show you an example of it in, in how a relationship works in our society. It's in marriage. It's not a command to the wives. It's an example of what being filled with the Spirit looks like in real life. So, so I hope you understand already, this is not what many people want it to mean. We've made submission something of a hard concept. We take it so legally, we say, wives, you must do this like I'm the Lord. First, it's not even to you to be able to say, do this. It's to the wives to say, look at this amazing opportunity of letting the Spirit show. It's there to help you lay yourself down. So walk it through. You know, we've just come off this description of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And now Paul turns to the examples of this filling. And he says, wives to your own husband as to the Lord. Something special about the wife-husband relationship that particularly shows off being filled with the Spirit. Well, that's kind of amazing and cool. I want to show off being filled with the Spirit. How? Well, if you're a wife, this shows it, arranging yourself under your husband as to Jesus. Because Jesus is the true Lord, not your husband, Jesus. Well, uh, why shouldn't my husband submit to me? Well, uh, submit to one another. You do submit to each other. But particularly in this relationship, because of what it is, says Paul, what it's imaging. That's what he says, right? Continue on in verse 23 for a minute. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself is its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. See what's going on? Not a power struggle. Not a statement of strength. Not a statement of wisdom or legality or value or equality. It's an image the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. You know, Christ is the head of the church. He's the one that we trust, don't we? To lead and to guide and to shape and to do. And oftentimes what we're doing is we're taking that out of his hands and doing it ourselves. I think I know the best way, Jesus. I'm not going to trust you. I, just help me. Be my hammer. And I'll be the hand on the hammer. And, and that's not what goes on, right? He's the head. He's the one, in, he's the one that makes things move. That's what the brain does. 
He's the planner. He's every, so, so this idea that Jesus is this, and then you get in marriage to think, okay, that there's this image going on where the husband images Jesus and the wife, the church. If I want to show how amazing it is that Jesus leads the church and I'm a wife, the way to do it is to arrange myself under my husband, particularly because that images that we trust Jesus. It images our reality that we're already totally dependent on Jesus not dependent on whether he makes good decisions or not, right? Because a lot of times that's certainly not true. Not true in my marriage. Maybe yours is better. <laughs> see, see how it changes the flavor, though? And, and again, I, I would just point you to the text. Point you to the text here in verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. Well, he command, no, actually look at the Greek. I rewrote the Greek in verse 24 to get it clearly to you. It says, now as the church is submitted to Christ, it's a reality. So also wives to their husbands and everything. What do we lose? We lost the verb telling the wives to do it because it's not there. It's not thou shalt do this wives. It's now, this is your reality, that the church is under Christ. Wives, you get to image this. You get to lay yourself down under this image because it images the wonder of what's true already. Right? Not thou must, but look what you get to. You are this way, an image of the church to Christ. This is amazing. This is really cool. So I, I want to be a wife because I want to show this amazing. I don't get to be a wife. Sorry. I already had a big, long talk to God about that. <laughs> I think we'll see next week. We're going to talk about husbands and wives. I think, man, I so don't want to be a husband. I want to be the wife. But I can't. That's not my role. To image things rightly is to image things rightly according to the Bible. So this image I get to, and you could say, wait just a minute. That's all well and good, you might say, especially if you have any understanding of men you say we trust jesus have you seen my husband have you seen the poor choices and the lack of wisdom and the wrong way he leads and i need to make it right and paul says here he says well have you thought about it a different way what's way that it's more important that you image christ this christ in the church peace than that you get the right outcome you think you need because what's that that's starting to reflect the garden again. I got a head, but I don't want my head. I know better. I can judge. I know what's happening. I'm in charge. Uh. So, so you know what? This, this whole idea of Christianity is that our, our thinking just isn't quite off, quite right. We can't. We're, we're twisted just a little bit, even in our best moments. And so here we have, we're trusting that Christ has us because he's the head. And so I get to image that in my marriage. If you're a wife, you image it this way. If your husband is going to be a little different, we're going to see it. But it's all because of Jesus. This filled with the Spirit is the ability to say, yes, just as in my salvation, when I turned and I said, I need Jesus, I'm done with myself, I can't do it, I'm turning, I'm laying myself down. So it is that we image that in being filled with the Spirit, laying ourselves down in relationship. This special relationship, marriage, has it in spades because you, the wife, are many times 
I would say always, but I'm throwing it out to some of you really wise men. But in my, and your wife, wiser, more thoughtful, more understanding, and yet filled with the Spirit, choosing to lift him up, to put herself under him, even though he doesn't deserve it, to support him. What you're doing is you're affirming this image of what? Of Christ in the church. Now, we're going to need to pick this up again because it's an amazing passage, super impacting for daily living because marriage is such a deep and, and, and common relationship that even if you're not in it, you see other people in it, and it helps you see things. What does it help you see? It helps you see the image of Christ in the church. The Holy Spirit at work to continue to use you. And know that the most amazing thing to be filled with the Spirit and to be in a marriage relationship is you being used. Not because you accomplished something. Not because you did some great moral deed. But just by arranging yourself under your husband. It's an image to somebody else that the Holy Spirit uses to help encourage them about the headship of Christ and the wonder that he has us all. And you get to heaven and you look back and you say, wow, that was so amazing that I was used. Versus, I'm going to tell God how I'm going to get used. No, no, no. This is amazing. This is amazing. And it's very much what the gospel is. Here's Galatians 2 as we end. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that's daily living. I, by, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's by trusting Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. What I want is to trust Jesus. What I want for you is to trust Jesus. What I know is that that's what's happened as the Spirit comes and he convicts you of the amazing wonder. We've entered into something so amazing, the room of grace. Life is a gift. We have the gift, and our trust leads us to see things differently. I don't have to attain it. I don't have to maximize it. I don't have to somehow make sure that it all breaks rightly for me. I have the Holy Spirit, and you do too. He will bear fruit in us. He does it for us in ways we cannot really understand, except we read this word given to us through the Spirit, the pen of Paul. To say one of the ways it starts to come out is to arrange ourselves under each other. To bless them. To love them. Because you don't have skin in the game. That's the spirit at work. And wives, especially this incredible image, the church seeing its savior, this is what it looks like in the most intimate way. We'll talk more about the marriage relationship next week. I just I want to say, because I've entered in a tiny bit to it, this is not condoning arranging yourself under physical abuse or, or evil, wickedness. No, no. But it's a wonder to think that our very relationships in ways that we don't ourselves grasp are imaging our Savior, are being used by him as a witness to others and our own hearts. And it's happening every moment. He's got you, a forgiven saint, and he is using you now. Let's pray.